Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 113 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan, how the heck are you, man? I'm doing great. Yeah. Um, I am going to order Chinese after this, so it is a good day. Tad chilly outside, but uh, Chinese is uh, calling my name. Is that a ritual on Saturdays now when we record? It is, and it was a dead ritual when you forced me to record over at my place because we were getting echoes. And it was sad because the nice lady at Lin's Walk, or Lin, I would assume, Mm-hmm. She was like, I'll see you next Saturday. And I was like, I will definitely be ordering some sweet and sour rice and uh, sweet and sour chicken and some fried rice from you. And then I abandoned her for two weeks when we recorded separately. Poor Lynn. Yeah. She was let down. But you're back this week. Yes. Yeah. I'm really excited. Um, it's it's a good day. It's been a good week. Good you, stuff, had off, you had off this week. so uh, I did have off this week. week. It was amazing to have a week off with... Zero obligations, you know, I wasn't looking at all my emails coming in, I didn't have a lot of work to get done, uh, at least on my real-time job stuff. Had some stuff to get done around the house, but other than that, it was just a nice relaxing week of playing video games, kicking back, and we even got some new releases this week that I've been enjoying my time with, so... We have a lot to get to this episode, Ryan. We have a packed agenda as we typically do on the Otaki Brothers podcast. I do want to thank all the listeners for all of the positive feedback that we got from last week's episode when we started the Memory of Melody segment. Yeah. was met with a lot of great reception. Some people in the Discord got some DMs about it. So I'm glad people enjoyed it. That's definitely not the last time we're going to do it. Uh, if this is the first time you're listening to Otaku Brothers, Ryan and I, we're brothers-in-law. We uh, love talking about video games. We love talking about film, movies. Film and movies are actually the same thing if you're not aware of that. <laughs> Film and TV, we talk about... We like to pretend we're confident, Yeah, films, movies... It's a mediocre podcast, all right. If you're looking for quality, look elsewhere. But we are here to, we are here to have fun, and uh, we do that in abundance. We laugh a lot, tell some fun stories. So buckle up. We have a fun, entertaining show for you planned today. But if you did miss the Memory of Melody's segment on last week's episode, check it out. It was a lot of good times. Ryan and I basically are going to be reminiscing about songs from our youth or just songs that you know we remember fondly uh, that, you know, Based on the title, Memory of Melodies, each song is kind of tied to a specific memory, and each time we do the segment, we're going to pick a specific topic, and last week's topic was uh, songs that remind us of summer. Yeah. So, good time. it was fun, and in the coming weeks and months, we're definitely going to continue doing that segment, but uh, today is going to be, uh, while we have a packed agenda, we're still going to keep it a little bit relaxed. We're going to do some more supertheticals, which if you're not familiar with that, is It's just like a series of ridiculous questions that a man named Chuck Klosterman has written up, and Ryan and I read through these scenarios, and we kind of answer them off the cuff. There are a lot of good times. I've been playing a little bit of Resident Evil Village, Resident Evil 8, looking forward to talk about that, and uh, also want to share some impressions about Pokemon Snap, pick that up. And uh, Ryan, uh, I think there was a new game that came out on PC called RuneScape. You got some impressions on that? I do, yeah. So I actually took off one day this week, too. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. I took off of RuneScape or work? Uh, no, <laughs> not of RuneScape. Are the two mutually exclusive? My uh, responsibilities, oh. actually. Um, yeah, I woke up Monday morning and I was just like, God, I'm jealous of Rusty. He is off this week, but I cannot 
I cannot pull that or swing that as you did. Um, so I got up like 6.30, not feeling it, texted my boss, I'll put in some PTO, went back to bed, the dog was completely happy, woke up around like 10 or 11, which is really late, and then hopped Damn, on the skates. Really? Yeah. 10 or 11? Yeah. That's so, a sleeping in day. I mean, my, my sleeping in this morning was like 7.15. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Tuesday I got up at like 5.30, because I'm trying to get up early, but being 30 degrees out, walking the dog is not a good time, so... Mm-hmm. Waiting for that summer Ohio weather. <laughs> uh, but yeah, RuneScape crushed it this week. <laughs> nice. And I, I'll have some more impressions of a game I've played 500 hours of. Oh, dude, I can't wait to hear about those cape unlocks. It's going to be great. Yeah. I actually checked my time, uh, playtime this week, which was bad. It was like 21 days, I think, on this new character. That's 21 days of playtime. Don't don't specify. Okay. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's 24-hour days of playtime lovely so yeah it's like 500 hours on this account but i don't you know we don't always give high fives on the podcast but that's that earns a high five does it though <laughs> i'll take it there it is yeah um so yeah it, it was a good week actually wednesday i went on a, a long walk with the dog i finished aragon oh no nice. uh, the first book in the series so that was great and i started the red one i think it's eldest yeah i think it's eldest yeah. Brainstar, i think is the third one maybe yeah, there's Brissinger, there's Inheritance, and then they're they're all different colors. One's black, one's green, one's red, and one's they're, blue. Okay. So uh, I believe you. yeah, I started the first or the second of four. Um, yeah, I kind of remembered the end of the first book, and it, it's interesting to go through the second time. I mm-hmm. uh, really enjoyed it. It's definitely got some parallels to A New Hope, like mm-hmm. a shit ton of parallels. Um, but that's what you get from a 15-year-old writing a book in high school. And I'm curious to see how it diverges. I don't know if he saw that criticism of the original stuff, but I think it diverges a little bit. Hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, and then I got locked out of my apartment on Wednesday. Oh, no. I came back just enthusiastic of listening to this book about dragons. Went to open my apartment, and it clicked. I was like, okay, cool getting ready for my meeting in 10 minutes i went to open the uh the deadbolt no like no movement and uh yeah they had to battering ram in my door <laughs> with like really? grod from uh, they planted some c4 on my uh my doorstep it was no it was literally he was just like bashing it in and my neighbor's just like what the fuck is going on here there's a drug raid in my apartment right now yeah i'm like dude just don't turn the corner into my bathroom where i have my piles of coke (laughs) (laughs) just like like pounds of it um so yeah they didn't find the coke but or the meth lab Mm. but i did get in and was like 10 minutes late to my meeting but all is well um so yeah that's about the excitement that we have of this week um, before we get into the video games for me. But okay. you had an exciting week having endless time. I did, you know, and, and one of the things about vacation is, at least for me, I never feel like I have enough time. I never get all of the things done that I want to. It always goes by too fast. But I felt like every single day this week was a meaty day of productivity, but also time to relax and play video games. I got, I knocked a couple things off the uh, the honey-do list, as Lauren likes to call it, 
the the list of things, <laughs> the list of things that I need to get done around the house. Yeah. Um, so I, I checked a few things off that list, and I just played a lot of video games. You know, I went into the week with a strict agenda of getting a platinum trophy in this game and beating that game. And honestly, when Monday morning rolled around, I think part of it is you're so used to kind of like this rhythm of I work eight to 10 hours and then I sign off and then Laura and I make dinner and then we eat dinner together and then I play a game for an hour and a half, two hours, and then I go to bed. Yeah. But when I wake up Monday morning, I make my coffee and I come to the game room and it's like nine o'clock in the morning and everyone else in the world is at work and I'm staring at my game consoles and I'm like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah, this is not my routine. <laughs> like, what do I do with all this time? Yeah. And so I kind of had this like, anxiety is probably not the right word, but I was just like, I I do not know what I want to play. Because I'm not used to binging video games for like 12 hours a day like I did when I was in high school, you know, with that my friends. That was part of that summer break. Yeah. But like even, I mean, through college, that was the hard part about like winter vacation. Mm-hmm. You're like... I've literally been going nonstop, just went through all my finals, but now I have like two weeks off. Like after day three, you're like, who am I? <laughs> like, Even in college, though, I yeah. felt like it was e- easier for me to pull off the student hat and put back on the nerd hat and just like play games all day yeah. or like watch Supernatural or whatever. Um, but, but at n- this point, we've worked longer than we were in college. I mean, probably not with masters, but like it's getting close to that equilibrium. It is. Yeah. Which is scary. Um, but I got over that hump eventually. Monday was more just like, all right, if video games aren't great or if I'm not feeling video games right now, I'm not going to force it. Yeah. So I got a lot of stuff done around the house. I just did a lot of deep cleaning, getting rid of stuff, just all of that, you know, uh, just home ownership type stuff. Yeah. Mowed the lawn, did some stuff around the yard, which was great. Hung out with Scoob. And then when Tuesday rolled around, then I kind of started, you know, scanning the PSN store because once we get into the games we've been playing, I'm not going to talk about all of the reasons why I didn't play game X, Y, or Z that I had planned to play. Um, I'm just going to talk about why, you know, I had some video game burnout sort of, yeah. but also just like, I don't really know what I'm in the mood for. So I just played a lot of comfort food stuff to kind of tie me over for Resident Evil 8 Village, and we'll get to that, but that's really it. You know, I didn't do anything too crazy. Um, I do have a few projects around the game room that I finally either finished or I'm getting things staged. Uh, My dad's going to come over soon and help me nail a few things into the wall. So under, above my my couch there, there is the Kingdom Hearts painting that you spent you know like 300 hours doing for me. Yes, I did. Which is great. And then uh, (laughs) opposite of... On opposite sides of the painting, I have these really great um, prints of A New Hope, Star Wars, and a Sonic the Hedgehog print. So under that, I have these like probably 18-inch little shelves, mm-hmm. shelving units. They're really pretty tiny. I'm going to nail those two into the wall. There's one on either side. And when I got married, coming up on the four-year anniversary of that, which is crazy, Wow. Um, one of my groomsmen... He didn't get me anything for my wedding, and I think I mentioned this in the podcast a while back, which obviously I did not care. It wasn't like I was taking stock of who got yeah, me something. Yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't didn't. talk to him anymore because of it. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've held the grudge to this day. Yeah. But I do remember on the day of my wedding him saying, hey, you're not going to see anything from us um, in the basket, but trust me, you're going to get a phone call from me when your gift is ready. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's a kind of a... <laughs> That's terrifying. He's a great... like He's great with... Um, uh, he's a great craftsman. He's he's yeah. a very handy person. So I figured, oh, maybe he's he's building something for our house eventually. Yeah. 
Well, I remember Lauren and I ended up moving back down here to central Ohio uh, from, from Bowling Green. And I get a call from him one day. And he's like, hey, are you going to be at your place in 30 minutes? And I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, what's up? Because, like, are you in town? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm in town. What's your address? I'll be there in 30 minutes. And I said, okay, um, here it is. And he showed up and he had this freaking huge box. And I was like, Tony, what did you do? (laughs) And, you know, he sat me down and everything and he said, close your eyes. And then he kind of revealed it. And it was all of the original Smash Brothers characters in Amiibo form. So the original set of Amiibos that came out. And I'm not one that, you know, set my alarm clock for Saturday morning when they would go on sale for pre-order. Like, I understood the novelty of them. They're really well-made figures. They look really great. They're great display pieces. But I never had a desire to really get them. But if someone gifted them to me, yeah. I obviously would have been really uh, receptive of the gift and super thankful. And I just obviously lost my mind. Yeah. But it was one of those things that being in a one bedroom apartment for the past two and a half years, I didn't have a great way to display them. And so finally, in the game room, I was waiting to find a good place to display them and have a nice showcase for them. And so what a better way than kind of above the the game couch. It's a centerpiece in the game room. Right when you walk in, you see the Kingdom Hearts painting, you see the two prints, and you're going to see all of the amiibo there kind of stacked nicely. And I'm taking them out of the box. I I have no plans to sell them. Um, I I know everyone has a reason for keeping things in the box versus not. And for me, I can't appreciate. I want to be able to pick the amiibo up, look at it, turn it around a little bit. And I can't do that in a plastic box. So they're coming out of the box, my friends. Yeah, I'm warming up to the thought. Um, originally, when you pitched that before we started recording, I was thinking it could be too cluttered. Mm-hmm. But I think it'll actually look really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You might want to move those like side paintings up just a tad yeah. so it's more centered. But yep. yeah. It, it'll look really good. For yeah, sure. so I'm looking forward to that. And then the other piece, too, I can't remember if I if I talked about it briefly in the last episode, but Lauren had this white shelving unit piece in her bedroom growing up. Yeah. And I tested it. So I got a couple games on the Game Boy, Game Boy Color in Advance in the box recently. And I, I wanted to use this, this shelving unit as a display piece for all of my cart-only Game Boy games. Mm-hmm. And if the boxes fit in these little cubby holes, then great. But if not... No big deal. I'll keep them stored away somewhere. Well, lo and behold, there's different size cubby holes on what seems to almost look like um, the front of a house structurally. That's the way it looks. It's it's tough to pitch it and sell it here on an audio only podcast, but bear with me. Uh, it has just a number of cubby holes across the top all the way down, almost as if it's kind of um, a piece of a dollhouse, almost if a piece of a dollhouse mm. was kind of cut out sort of. And thankfully, the the Game Boy game um, boxes fit perfectly in the cubbies. Very nice. So um, there's like three specific rows that I'll you know be able to display box box Game Boy games. But then the ones that I don't have box, I'll be able to just align the carts. So all of my Game Boy Color, uh, original, and advanced carts will just kind of sit there displayed nicely, alphabetized, of course. That way, I can kind of open the closet and just see. My Game Boy collection, and anytime I want to pull one off the shelf, I don't have to dig through a Ziploc baggie full of games. I actually have them displayed here, and it's like, oh, I want to play Simba's Mighty Adventure on the Game Boy Color. Let's go. So does everything fit on that shelf? It does. I I don't have a a sizable Game Boy Advance boxed collection at all. I have, I don't need 80 Game Boy Color uh, original and advanced carts, uh, and those fit because... 
they're so tiny, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a pretty sizable shelf. So, um, really the game room is relatively complete. I'm always going to be moving things around, adjusting. Like that's just what we do as collectors, right? We always are adjusting and, and, um, reorganizing things because, uh, well, it's just nice to kind of every like once a year kind of reorganize the, the yeah. game room. But um, the final thing that I want to do is get a better entertainment system so that I can better display and pull out some of my more retro consoles like the PS2, the original Xbox, the Nintendo 64, and be able to place those uh, under the TV. I'll mount the TV and then we'll be good to go. All right. Are you thinking of adding more posters? I know you're originally thinking in front of where we're currently at, in front of your computer, putting posters up here and on both sides as kind of bookmarks. Are you still thinking of that, or there's a few? Good? Yeah. So there's a few areas in the game room that are kind of um, a blank canvas right now in terms of they're, they're opportunities, yeah. right? So there's things that. I want to leave open. I don't want to just fill it because I want to fill the space. Yeah, I want to make fair. sure the right thing goes there. Um, and so when the light bulb goes off and I'm like, I want that to go there. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm browsing eBay and I stumble across a certain poster or a certain sign and, and it's a, a reasonably affordable, yeah. you know, then I'll pull the trigger and I'll get that. But um, like even recently, so I'm going to unhinge the doors of this closet and that'll kind of be an extension of the game room. And I have two Nintendo Power posters that will go on opposing sides of that Game Boy shelf. So I have a Nintendo Power poster of um, The Hobbit, that game that was developed by Sierra Mm -hmm. back in the early 2000s. Uh, I have a Nintendo Power poster of that that I'm going to get framed. And then I also have a Diddy Kong racing poster from a Nintendo Power magazine that'll hang on the opposing side as well. Have you convinced Lauren to knock down this wall yet and expand? Like Not yet. So the, the the idea is um, over time, I'll convince Lauren to bulldoze <laughs> the entire upstairs to just be okay. one, yeah. you know, circular game room. That would be amazing. Um, yeah. And you could project. Yeah. You could make a theater. Oh, God, exactly. So, you know, we'll convince her. It's just going to take some time. Okay. I just need to, you know, pull a few favors around the house and... Yeah, she um, can have the basement with do, the woman cave. Yeah, yeah, you know, do laundry a few more times than I typically do. and it, it, It'll work. <laughs> yeah. it, it'll work Cut itself out. Cut the grass, out. you know, do a few dishes uh, bull- and uh, then I'll... Bulldoze the top, yeah. you know, upstairs. It's, so, that sounds really fair. Yeah, actually. exactly. It's, it's a definitely a one-for-one trade. So. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much been the week, man. It's been fun. I'm ready to go back to work. Uh, I shouldn't say I'm ready to go back to work. I'm necessarily excited. But um, I feel energized. I feel kind of recharged. Good. So, and that's yeah. really all that matters. In better spirits. But I'm ready to record this damn podcast. Awesome. We've been talking for 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be sitting here beside you and just talking about some good games. Good. good. So, but the final thing I did actually do in the game room, and then we can get into the games that we've been playing recently, is that I ordered a second monitor. And I also got kind of a boom mount thing to be able to connect both of the monitors. And so now frees up a ton of desk space. I can actually flip one of the monitors or either of the monitors sideways if I wanted to um, for just ease of viewing. Uh, But this week it was really nice to be able to play Pokemon Snap on one of the monitors and then have like a Twitch stream or a YouTube video on the other monitor. Uh, It just... Gosh, having two monitors it feels like I'm operating a space station or something like that. Right? It's crazy. It's so much better. Yeah. Yeah, but this screen is bigger than my single <laughs> like <laughs> monitor. This is one screen of these is probably the same size as like my two monitors. So one of them, uh, well, they're both about 27 inches. It's an Asus or an Asus and a, a Gigabyte. Asus. Um, 
But but yeah, no, they're, they're definitely very functional, good monitors. Uh, I typically, or I will be playing all of my games in the Gigabyte just because of the, the refresh and the, the, all of the jargon is a lot better in terms of the specs. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not playing any top-end games on the PC. I and mean, that's this new one? No, that's one? that's this Gigabyte one. Oh, okay. But both of them I could run... Um, you know, max out settings and it would still look pretty good. But I mean, I'm also playing stuff like Gothic 2 and Oblivion and Risen and old school. Not crazy taxing games. No, old school, you know, Fallout, New Vegas, stuff like that. You know, Western RPGs that aren't going to be taxing the monitor too much. But I would like to eventually um, play like Witcher 3 on max settings just to kind of see what it would look like. Yeah. But I mean, I'm really waiting. You can also get into the modding scene as well. Yeah. Because that's a ton of fun. That too. Um, but I'm really waiting to get like the Series X to to replay something like Final Fantasy 13 and yeah. Lost Odyssey just to see how beautiful those games can look with the uh, the up-res and faster load times of the, the Series X stuff. But but yeah, no, definitely happy with uh, the projects that I was able to cross off the to-do list this week. And once I get that entertainment center and nail some of these things in the wall, I think it might be time for a little old uh, YouTube room tour, dude. Yeah, so your desk overall is pretty finalized, right, now that you got your monitors? Yeah, there's really nothing else. I mean, I'm sure, you know, over the next several years, if I find a particular uh, figure, like I recently just got this Journey figure that I put on the desk, and um, I have Solaire from Dark Souls, and uh, Joanna Dark from Perfect Dark. Like, I have some different figurines that might I might swap out here and there. Okay. Uh, but all intents and purposes, yes, the, de- the desk is just about finished. Nice. So, very happy with it. And, uh, yeah, it was a solid, productive week and and very relaxing. Very nice. But I think it is about that time in the podcast, Ryan. I want to hear about the games that you've been playing recently. I heard you got a couple Platinums. You beat Resident Evil 7, I think. Yeah, no, really all of them. I went through the entire Resident Evil library. Good for you, man. Yeah. I don't want to have to high-five you twice on a podcast. No, you shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that, you know, beat ukulele. One and two. <laughs> dude, <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> I mean, sh- dude, Impossible Lair. <laughs> You're a bitch if you can't beat the final level. So That's what I've heard. Yeah. No, I I mean, I played the same two games that I did last week. Um, nothing crazy there. Playing some uh, Monster Hunter Rise. It's done fun. Yeah, the new content came out, I think, last week. Um, and I talked about the four new monsters. Um, the metas changed a lot since the original launch so just trying to make some good gear to farm some resources um, i've switched from the hunting horn to the light bow gun um, it has really good dps mm. what's uh, that stand for for the listeners i mean of course i know what it stands for i just want to make sure the listeners uh, know. damage per second got it mm-hmm. yeah and meta is uh, most effective tactic available so yeah acronyms for days mm. and um yeah, so I ended up using a light bow gun, using a pierce build, um, but now the meta is kind of shifted to a slicing build. Um, so I maxed out my piercing build yesterday evening, um, which took hours to grind out some of these new jewels um, from a couple of monsters, and now I'm switching over to from the Narga Kuga light bow gun to the Zenogar <laughs> light bow gun. You're just making some of this stuff up. Aren't yeah, you? dude, these are all fake words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm switching over. Should be good. We're getting quick kills with the slicing. So like a normal kill, or say like just average players could kill a uh, a basil goose. <laughs> Another fake word. Oh my word. It may like eight. Or so, eight to ten minutes. 
I think is like a normal kill. Okay. Um, you can kill the final boss in like 10 minutes is acceptable. Um, the best we've done, I think, is like six minutes or so. But Basil Goose, I've seen a kill with three or four slicing builds for this light bow gun kill a Basil Goose, not in like eight or 10 minutes, but in a minute 15. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you get those resources and then you can put them into getting better decorations for your armor. Okay. Uh, because the RNG based um, portion of the game, which is kind of the end game, is trying to get these decorations, which are basically random rolls on specific skills. Okay. Um, so that's where if you get like a god tier roll, you can slot that in. It's just a lot of RNG and it's how many hours you want to pump to get that perfect gem for your perfect build. Okay. Um, Not do- necessary though. Got it. I do have a question though. So sure. in Monster Hunter World, there was like a little aquarium thing where you collected all of your little animals and stuff. Is yeah. there anything like that? Like any equivalent to that in Monster Hunter Rise? You have a room. The room is more set up like the older DS games. Oh, you don't have okay. the extensive room where you can like the endemic life you can pick up and put in your room and have like little squirrels running around your room. Gotcha. Um, and that might be based off of, it might come later. It could also be based off of the Switch compared to like a PS4 or PS5. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you have to take into account that you are playing on a Switch. The PS5 version of Monster Hunter or Iceborne is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back to that, it's definitely an up res, um, but the handheld is pretty nice as well. It, it, not to say that Rise looks terrible because it looks really good. How are the load times in Rise? Very quick. Are they? Okay. Yeah, I mean, maybe 15 seconds to... That's pretty long. Maybe like 10 seconds to get into a quest once you actually launch it, which is pretty quick. Plus, if you're if you're squatting up with buddies, though, you're talking, you're chatting, you're having a good time. So Yeah, like it, you don't realize that they're there. Yeah. Like to load in a character, it's you're not sitting through like Skyrim load times, which yeah. are like you go into a house and it's like a minute of, hey, what's this item on the screen? It's like... They have the load screen is a giant mural of kind of like the murals that you have up here, mm-hmm. um, like, like the Japanese style of like a watercolor of all the monsters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you don't even realize it's there. Okay, cool. But yeah, really good time. Um, I have about 128 hours into Monster Hunter now. Um, the level cap was raised from seven last week and i'm sitting around 85 right now okay good stuff. Uh, so pretty high the the final kind of lock for facing the final monster of the increase was 40 so i've done about 45 levels past the max requirement rick and ben i think are like 120 so they played a good deal more crazy people um, rick was the one who was coming up with the build designs for like max damage and ben's been just grinding out uh crowns or like the bigger smaller versions okay um and then on top of that i played runescape uh no real big progress to mention no new capes that's not going to come for a while um my new goal right now is to get there's a specific armor piece relative to like an achievement diary for each town Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to max out varrock's achievement diary for all armor levels right now so for like the easier tier armor level one it's teleport to this thing or kill a chicken or make a beer in the thing 
pretty easy and then it escalates as you go up through the armor tiers so right now i've i have armor two i have three things left in armor three um and then armor four is a good way off but that's kind of what my goal is working towards right now not a cape or anything okay so good stuff man. yeah i'll just be uh after i get lynn's walk this afternoon take lauren to get her car i'll be doing some quests which i don't like but i'm kind of in the mood i did two this morning so okay so here's what's going to go down before you leave this house um actually before you leave this game room okay all right so i'm going to challenge you to go to the game shelf over there and obviously you're not going to take PS1 or 2 stuff or even really 3 for that matter unless you want to take your PS3 back, which is definitely in the cards and a possibility. I want you to take one of my PS4 or 5 games and I want you to take it home this week and I want you to play it. See, for- I'll do that when you play God of War. 4. No, that's not fair because you've been playing the same... <laughs> what, for the three or four weeks that Monster Hunter Rise? Yeah, but the good. next the next game you said you're going to play is, is uh, Ratchet and Clank and that's yes. like a month away. Mm-hmm. So I'm just just a little friendly, unique, just a little friendly challenge. Yeah, no, I I mean I've before Monster Hunter Rise, I was kind of in like a a sink of not really wanting to play games, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is these two games are the the duo of games that have encouraged me to play games or continue to like want to play games. Oh heck yeah, right and there's now. absolutely so, nothing wrong with that. I but. will bask in the glory of these games until I like simmer down a little bit. And I, and I want Dude, you I'm getting con- hot and bothered just thinking about the games. So clearly, and I and I, I feel the steam coming off of your face from over here. But I think it would be fun. To, I mean, dude, I've got so many games over there. Just take one of them, and I'll challenge you. Or pick pick three, or I'll pick three. It'll, it'll be fun. We'll make a whole little game out of it. I mean, I have plenty in my black 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 log. Jeez. Um, well, I'm I'm waiting for you to beat uh, near Tamada numbers, so I can play that prequel. So I can start the sequel. You can take New Replicant if you want. Oh, are you not going to play it anytime soon? Probably not. I mean, I kind of went on the back burner and with Resident Evil and some of the other games I have um, lined up to play next. I don't know if it's something I'm going to get back to here in the next month. Okay. Certainly not before Res- or, uh, Ratchet and Clank. So why don't you take that? Okay. Yeah, yeah I can do that. See if it, if it clicks for you. Oh, that's cool. You just don't like my uh, current game choices. So. No, I love it, dude. I'm sure the listeners. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners are just kind of like yeah. reminiscing about the. I play games for me, not for the listeners. <laughs> and that's what it should be about. But yeah. I'm just saying, you know, the listeners are probably getting nostalgia for the you know the 14 episodes of Pokemon Shinies. We dude, have. actually, they should be happy that I haven't talked about Shinies for a long time. I don't. Th- uh, I've kind of accepted that I'm never going to complete that shiny Pokedex. No, do not give up, Ryan. Like, it's, isn't that the first, like, the stages of coping, right? It's denial, like, anger and sadness and stuff. And, like, once you get past the depression of, like, I have 20 left out of 720, the problem is the, the 3DS uh, storefront has pretty much been abandoned by all the players because they have the shittier games like sword and shield um and then it's all basically filled with every shiny on that marketplace is a a glitched version so you can't actually trade it without wiping your entire save file so i would have to grind to get this is the thing that is deterring me and if you want to have a boring episode of what's ryan's played i the drop rate is like one in four thousand to get a shiny chance even with like the shiny charm and like the Masudo method for hatching eggs, um, 
I would have to do that one in 4,000 times 20. And it's a one in 4,000 times each egg, not like compounding statistics. It, it's just, it's rough. Like it would take me thousands of more hours. Did Samwise Gamgee tell Frodo the odds when he was going through Osgiliath? <laughs> Are you my Sam? <laughs> Did Samwise Gamgee tell Frodo the yeah. odds of carrying the ring through Mordor and getting well, to the I, mountainside? If, if I can't do it, you can carry me up the mountain. You can do the egg shiny Dude, I'll fucking me. throw you on my back. All right, we're getting the last 20 shinies. Dude, you. I have actually, if you want to take up that burden or the mantle of pain, I have a completed Sapphire version, which is a completed Pokedex as well. Has a shiny charm, so we can both grind out some eggs. Sometime. Well, here's how it's all going to go down, all right? You're going to grind out the 20 shinies, all right? And then we're actually going to literally fly to New Zealand. You're going to bring your 3DS. We're going to climb the tallest mountain there is. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to chuck that stupid 3DS off of that mountainside. Yeah. We'll have a whole little memorial service yeah. for That's you. That's actually probably fair. Yeah. Because you've accomplished your goal. You basically... Well, I mean, like, yeah, after I play that, I will never have to play another Pokemon game again. Never, never. I mean, dude. especially if they're coming out like Sword and Shield or X and Y, like that new style. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing that gives me hope for Pokemon now is like those new remakes, mm-hmm. um, the the Pearl and Diamond. Like that gets me like my jimmies ruffled for uh, playing Pokemon again. But You will have done the impossible. <laughs> you will have collected all 721 Pokemon twice, regular and shiny. And then you were basically Frodo Baggins, man. Yeah, I mean, really... Yeah, no Pokemon Master has ever completed that. I mean, it's yeah, it's a stupid goal, but can you call yourself a Pokemon Master if you haven't completed the decks, caught every fucking Pokemon, every mythic Pokemon? I mean, I ran to GameStop at like midnight to get specific cards to get like mythics. Master's kind of selling yourself short, though. I don't even think that's an appropriate Pokemon term. God. Thank you. Yeah, I'm in the tier of like Arceus. Thank you. Yeah. Come yeah. on, give yourself some credit, man. Is there a badge for being a Pokemon god? <laughs> I'll make one out of cardboard for yeah. you. Have you ever watched the um, the Pokemon series on YouTube where it's um, like Pokemon shorts and like the short is maybe like five minutes, but it's a really intense version of like the anime. So there's one for like Groudon. There's one for Kyogre. I don't think um, I have, no. And it basically does like, I think for the Groudon one, it shows like where was it Team Aqua, Team Magma. They get into the little ship and they have like the battle outside of the ship as that goes away. And then you see what like Groudon actually being released looks like. And he just takes like a beam and just destroys all this land. Oh, it's so good. I would love for Game Freak to make a rated M uh, Pokemon game. This is probably as close as you'd get to that. Mm. Um, there was a less... Because that style looked kind of like the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a less anime-esque looking one that it was like pokemon rated m and it's it would be terrifying that world i mean you have like charmander has a fucking flamethrower around 10 year olds hey you're getting bullied we'll char billy with your charmander poor little billy how many deaths like yeah imagine like the mafia or like a drug cartel with like machamps and charizards and stuff they could really take that to the next level, you know? Yeah. I don't know why Nintendo doesn't do that. I mean, it would really... Yeah, that's what they should do for Giovanni the Giovanni in the role of the Godfather. 
Yeah, he's like, he just goes up to people, kisses them, and then, like, fucking Hitmonchan smashes their face against the wall. <laughs> exactly. And just explodes like a Game of Thrones. You want to swim the with the magic carbs? We'll take you out to the docks, all right? Yeah. That would be terrifying. I mean, because you think of how, well, I mean, if you're going off the Pokedex original, like, was it uh, Miss Cargo? Missingo? No, Missingo? it's the it's the uh, the slug, the lava slug. I think it's Miss Cargo or something like that. You know better than I would, dude. Whatever. His uh, Pokedex description is like he burns with the heat of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> like he's like eight thousand degrees. Can you imagine? Hey, I'm gonna go p- catch a Pidgey. Okay, how is he gonna dissolve into this? Like you couldn't even stand near him. Like some of them are. Like, Ghastly and Haunter, like, suck the souls out of people. Dude, I don't have a thermometer near me, but, I mean, I'm looking at you, and you're just, I'm just radiating putting off right some heat, and yeah. uh, you're probably getting close to that 8,000 mark. It would uh, it would be intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so rated M Pokemon Game Freak. <laughs> Give us a call, Ryan. That would be so disturbing. Ryan and I will John. be the lead screenwriters for the script. Uh, it'll be great. All right, yeah, well, there'd just be a lot of screaming, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, what have you played that's not Pokemon rated? <laughs> Pokemon Snap, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was there any death in that one? Not really. Um, yeah, so kind of just to quickly, I'm not going to go down the list of the games that I didn't play and why. I think I briefly talked about the top of the episode that just kind of hit a video game burnout earlier in the week, and I just didn't, there wasn't a game on my shelf or what I had planned to play that was like, man, I really want to just sit, sit on the couch here in the game room make a pot of coffee, and just sit here for five hours playing that game. Uh, nothing was really scratching that itch for me, so I'm like, ah, oh, let's just, let's table games for a day or two and uh, get some stuff done around the house, and when the itch comes back, uh, I'll scratch it. And Tuesday, I think it was maybe Tuesday morning, I did a bunch of stuff around the house, and I was like, ah, oh, I just, I need to get out of the house, so I, I drove over to Best Buy, and I was just browsing uh, the, the PlayStation library, it was I did a little peek to see if they had any Series Xs in stock, and they unfortunately did not. And then I went through the Switch stuff, and uh, I saw Pokemon Snap there, and I was looking at the case, looking at the screenshots, and I thought, you know, if nothing's really getting me going, nothing, you know, that I want to pump a bunch of hours into, I might as well hook the Switch up to the monitor here at the desk, uh, throw in a couple podcasts, and just play some, some super comfort food cozy Pokemon Snap. Nice. And so that's what I did. And, uh, you know, it's probably not going to be any kind of game of the year thing for me, but uh, if people are kind of on the fence of do I or do I not get Pokemon Snap, I think if you have uh, certainly a love for Pokemon games, you've been playing them for a long time, you have a lot of nostalgia for the early games, and even if you don't and you just love Pokemon, I think this is still probably a maybe in terms of whether I would suggest it or not. Okay. I think if you grew up playing the original Pokemon Snap on the N64, you really loved it. If you're one of those people that you were obsessed with photo mode in games, like if you, I mean, again, you're snapping photos of Pokemon here. You're not battling it out in a typical Pokemon fashion. So if that doesn't get you a little excited, then I would hold off on this. It's probably not a must buy because I don't think it does anything Uh, to really push the envelope forward in terms of the first Pokemon Snap game to now. But I also don't think they needed to. It's such a fun gameplay loop. It's been a great game for me to wake up early in the morning or if I sleep in till 10 and I have my early morning cup of coffee, play 30 minutes of Pokemon Snap, and then at the end of a long day of playing games, I live a tough life this past week, then I'll put on Pokemon Snap again and kind of settle down with 30 minutes of that before bed. 
Yeah, the problem is I don't see Pokemon Snap going down in cost. And that's the thing that you know that's definitely the, the balancing act, right? Is well, it's not like Balan Wonderworld or even something like Resident Evil Eight that you it's know, already like thirty percent off. Well, Balan is, but yeah, yeah, Resident Evil Eight come October time, spooky season. That game's going to be forty thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're waiting to stream it, or if you'd rather play the game uh, in the spooky mood season, then yeah, hold it out, <laughs> wait for it. It's going to drop in price, but anything first party Nintendo like Pokemon Snap, Sword and Shield. Maybe it'll be fifty three ninety nine on Amazon instead of fifty nine ninety nine. Yeah. But like more often than not, that's gonna you know ten years from now be a seventy eighty dollar game. And I'm not trying to instill the fear of missing out on people, but just knowing that like I think you could wait a year or two before picking this up and you're gonna be fine. It's Pokemon Snap. They printed it in mass quantities, but don't wait too long if it is something that you feel like in the future you're gonna want to play. So that one has a limited Pokedex as well. It's like two hundred Pokemon. Is it? Yeah. See, yeah. I'm not even really sure how many Pokemon are in the game. Yeah, I think it's like 200. Would increasing the amount of Pokemon ideally being free and not a DLC like they did for Sword and Shield, would that incentivize more incentivize you to increase your Just outlook or Suggest perception? the game to more people? Yeah, suggest um, Yes and no, because I feel like, you know, the first Pokemon I was introduced to... Um, Funny enough, the second Pokemon I was introduced to was Pikachu. The first one was like this pink butterfly that I think I've seen before, but I, on any given day, I might be like, yeah, that's that's probably a Pokemon. Could be a Digimon. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, to be honest, I don't know what the pink butterfly you'd be talking about. It's like Vavillian or something like that. For to be honest, I thought Vavillian was. Oh yeah, never mind. There's like 16 pavilion colors. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, I'm I'm so often I'm seeing Pokemon that I'm either not familiar with or it's kind of like, oh yeah, back in the recesses of my mind, I think that was something that I saw in Pokemon Sun at one point in my life. But yeah. I mean, to me, like Kanto, Johto, th- like those two regions are what I really want to see because, but that's more the nostalgic 28 year old in me talking. You know, today's generation, I'm not really sure they care about seeing a Totodile walking across the plane. If they see a chim, or if they see a um, a score bunny, because they recently played Sword and Shield or whenever Score Bunny was one of the starters, yeah, then they're like, oh yeah, Score Bunny. But for me, it's like, where's my where's my Charmander? Yeah, Pokemon's gotten weird with at least their designs. Um, I like the idea of basing your read. Not to go back into a Pokemon rant, mm-hmm. um, but basing your entire stylization of a region off of something's cool like England or Japan or whatnot. But when you have to base your Pokemon designs fully off of those region, I think one's like a cup of tea for England in the new generation. It just gets or like garbage or keys and stuff. It's when they become more human, not the keys and like score bunny, his final evolution is a soccer player. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's basically a furry mm-hmm. at what, like who kicks a soccer ball and looks like it. And, Animomorphic? Anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic mm-hmm. uh, thing. It just gets weird, you know? Or like the sniper rifle, James Bond, uh, whatever the ninja blue starter was. Greninja. No, uh, in the newest generation. Whatever. I don't even know his name. Yeah. Froki? Dude, I don't know. Uh, Pokemon stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. 
Yeah, but. and I, again, I want to get back to, I think Pokemon Snap is a very quality game. Graphically, I think it looks really nice. I know a lot of the people were complaining about frame rate issues. I haven't experienced that myself, but I've also only played it for about three hours. So um, maybe later in the game, there's instances of that happening. But uh, for me, I, I haven't seen any instances where there's been like 30 Pokemon on screen at the same time that would potentially cause that to happen. But I've also been only playing or have been exclusively playing in uh, docked mode. I haven't played handheld, so you know there might be more graphical slowdown and hiccups when you play um, handheld version, but I think docked, it runs really nice. Graphically, looks very pleasant. Uh, music is what you'd expect in a Pokemon game. It's it's hitting all the right notes for me. Again, it's, yeah. it's a very cozy comfort food type game, and uh, between being in a little bit of a drought of not knowing what to play er- earlier in the week, it was very complimentary to sipping some coffee and, and catching up on some Twitch streams. Good. So, Thanks. yeah, definitely good times there. Uh, the next couple of games that I played, this one specifically was the perfect, uh, I don't know what to play, but this is a great just veg out and, and listen to podcasts and play. Okay. And that is a game called Round Guard. Never heard of it. Round and then Guard. And it's all one word. You've played Peggle, right, Ryan? Of course I've played <laughs> Who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> so imagine a Peggle game, but it's a roguelike kind of dungeon crawler. How the fuck would that work? So you have three potential characters to start off with. Okay. You have a warrior, a, um, uh, I guess a rogue. Or what yeah. do they call those? They're like the little stealthy assassin dudes? Yeah, yeah they little... called a rogue. And then a, uh, a wizard or a mage. Okay. So each character kind of has their own special characters similar to how peggle you can choose the unicorn you can choose the one person you can choose the other person and that kind of alters the states their like special ability for unpeggling the board exactly and so this game is basically a mirror image of peggle in terms of the layout of the levels you shoot the little ball and the ball is actually the character so it's either the warrior the rogue or the mage okay and there's enemy certain enemies on screen you go through 60 levels for each of the um, classes, each of the classes, each kind of um, there's three acts. Each act has 20 levels. At the end of each act, you face a boss, and if you die at any point, you go back to square zero. Are they the same levels for the? So say you get to 19, beat 19, and you go to 20, which is the boss. Are those, if you were to die at that boss, do you have to redo all 19 of the same levels? That's where the roguelike elements come in. How far did you get? I've done, I've completed two runs. So I beat the game as the warrior and I beat the game as the mage. Oh shit. So you're actually good at peggling. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at nice. peggling. Um, What's the difficulty like? Well, the, the fun thing is that, you know, as you go through the levels, you can collect these little like rune slots. So you can actually equip your character with things that make it a bit easier. Okay. So even though it's roguelike in the sense that you go back to the first level, well, you keep all the stuff you unlock, so you can still equip your character with those runes. What's an example of a rune? Uh, you have, on the outset of every level, it it adds additional 20 health. Mm. Because your character has, like, 200 health, and then as you, you know, kill all these different enemies, you unlock different armor outfits and stuff like that. Ooh. Uh, but you you do lose a lot of that stuff when you die. It's just kind of like these weirdo rune slot things. You know, I don't I don't want to get too nuanced and complicated with the descriptions, uh, but think of Peggle and a roguelike dungeon crawler. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, it's, it's hard to figure out how, like, what the hell you have health for. Like... So every time you shoot your little Peggle person... And you hit the the things that are not enemies, you don't lose health. But if you hit and the enemies are like the the circles, 
the enemy, you might have a spider crawling around the peggle map that you have to try and hit. Oh, It's like okay. a moving target. Okay. And so every time you hit the spider, though, not only does the spider lose health, you lose health too. It's kind of like as if you were playing a turn-based RPG, whereas you fight, they fight back. Okay. Their instance of fighting back is every time you hit them, they're basically countering your hit. Hmm. Interesting. But there's also health peggles around the map too, so you hit those health peggles to gain your health back. And there's also MP peggles, so you hit those to be able to use some of your special power-up moves. Oh, that's really catchy. Yeah. So it's it, a unique take. It just kind of like makes Peggle a little bit more nuanced and adds a bit more intricacies to the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And at first it's kind of like, oh, I don't I don't want all this crap in my Peggle. I just kind of want to be my unicorn and the crazy music that plays. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's easy to get used to. It was seven bucks. I literally spent an entire afternoon playing it uh, and catching up on my podcast queue. So if you're looking for a game that isn't Peggle but plays very similarly to that, check it out. And if okay. you've never played Peggle, look up a YouTube video. It's it's such a fun game. So I'm assuming you looked at the Platinum. I did. Um, How is that? The, the interesting thing about this game is never once did I go out of my way to get trophies. Okay. And I still collected, I think, 33 out of 46 of the trophies. Wow. You know, fractions. <laughs> <laughs> and here's my outline of how I get to the Platinum trophy. No, like... There's yeah, 46 okay, trophies whatever. in the game. Yeah. I got 33 of them. No, I get how fractions work. Numerators, denominators, and shit. <laughs> yeah. But, like, <laughs> the fact that you know, like, yeah, specifically in my battle versus blink for this game. I, well, I remember this game being advertised, too, and it was something that it's been on my radar for about a year now. Um, but, you know, when, when PS4 went to PS5, they got rid of the, they updated the PSN store. My entire wish list got wiped. Mm-hmm. I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. But like Wednesday morning, I woke up and I'm like, man, I want to find something that's super chill. Um, and obviously, I've already beaten Peggle. And I stumbled around. I stumbled ac- upon Round Guard. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that game. And it was seven bucks. And I'm like, oh, heck yeah. Yeah, that's actually something I'll probably look into. Um, yeah, forget pulling a game off my shelf. Go home and buy Round Yeah, Guard. I was going to say, that one sounds more up my alley of like a a mindless game that I ca- I'm kind of looking for. I think you'd like yeah. it quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Cool. All right. You have one good game. Not Pokemon Snap, Round Guard. Peggle <laughs> right. Simulator. Exactly. All right. What's your next one? Uh, Indivisible. Okay. This is something that I- I'm actually kind of surprised I don't hear more people talking about. I do have to give a little bit of a shout out here. So um, good friend of the show. I've known him for, gosh, the better part of a decade at this point. Uh, Comeback Kid. Okay. He, he, he's a frequent garage sale enthusiast. He goes to a lot of garage sales, gets a lot of pickups. We played Halo with him on the Discord a couple months back. Really good guy. But I remember him posting something about this, that he played it uh, via Game Pass and really enjoyed it. And he actually kind of added me, I think, on Instagram and said, I think you'd really enjoy this game. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I, I didn't really look into it besides maybe watching a quick YouTube video but then when I was at Best Buy the other day picking up Pokemon Snap, I was looking at the bargain bin PlayStation 4 games, mm-hmm. and I stumbled across this one for like 15 bucks or whatever it was, and the front cover kind of almost reminded me of something like a Kiki's Delivery Service cross-anime RPG type of thing, yeah. and that's kind of exactly what it is. So it's a 2D side-scrolling platformer, but then combat plays out like a turn-based RPG. All of the... So let's just say you have four characters in your party. All of them are mapped to the face buttons. So in order to attack with one of the characters, you press either X, square, circle, or triangle. 
Each character is mapped to a particular button and similar to your traditional turn-based uh, RPGs like Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy, you kind of have a meter that builds up over the course of whatever it might be, three to 10 seconds. And as that meter kind of populates, then you can attack with that, that face button. And that's kind of how battles play out. It's, it's, it's super quick. It's fast paced. It feels really good. And one of the most, I think one of the, the highlights of the game is that it's probably about 85% hand-drawn animation. You have pre-rendered backgrounds that are so, so beautiful. And the, the soundtrack is actually composed by, and I had to write the name down because otherwise I would not have remembered it off the cuff here, is Hiroki Kakuta. And this person actually composed the soundtracks to Secret of Mana, or Mana, okay. Super Nintendo RPG, and Kudelka, I can't pronounce that, Kudelka, but that's a PS1 game that has just skyrocketed in price. Hmm. So great okay. soundtrack, combat super fun, beautiful 2D platformer, and the writing is super, super witty. It actually reminds me quite a bit of Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, you know, cool. The Nickelodeon, yeah. obviously, anime. Never um, heard of it. Yeah, I'm sure you haven't. You haven't watched it like four times in the past year. No, I don't I don't have eyes to see, <laughs> <laughs> let alone watch something called Avatar. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the writing, even from the very outset, so you start off as, as playing as this young girl. She has to make a training session with her father. So you walk up kind of this, this mountainside, you meet your father. And just the dialogue between the two, I'm like, man, this just... This really reminds me of something like right out of Avatar. Nice. Uh, so it's very good. And then, of course, over the course of the adventure, I'm only about maybe two hours in something like that. Uh, you recruit a number of characters and each of them has a variety of skill sets. And so when you press the start button, you can kind of swap in, swap out characters at your leisure. So if each character is mapped to a specific button, do they have different moves that you would slot in on that button? Not necessarily. So each character has a specific weapon. You don't really, um, you're not getting new armor or new weapons. What they have is what you get type of thing. Okay. So each, so you swap in characters opposed to swap in moves. Exactly. So like X is always, say you have like a mage. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be fire spell. Mm -hmm. And until you get a different mage, X button is always going to be fire spell exactly. with that one character. Exactly. Okay. And so, but also with the mage, in order for the mage to just, um, I would say a medic. So in order for the medic to attack, you just press X, right? Okay. But then if you want the medic to actually heal your party, you press X and then the analog stick up. Hmm. So it okay. gets a little complicated, but it, it adds a little flavor and spice to the battles to make them a little bit more intense of like, you kind of have to remember, you know, in order to use a certain attack with a certain character, you have to memorize. At that point, it almost becomes a rhythm game because you have to press up and X to mm -hmm. heal as opposed to X to, to you know, just fight. Okay. So. Besides the medic, do other characters have that amount of, like, directional? No, I mean, it's not, like, you know, up, down, left, and right. They okay. don't have four different it's attacks. It's always either, like, up or right or left. It's always one direction. Okay, but more so than just the medic, there other characters say like a warrior could have a X up or a Y up or whatever. yeah. Typically, everyone has at least two different attacks. Okay, cool. And it's all yeah mapped to the the the, the original button and then also a direction. direction. So nice. It's pretty simple, but uh, once you get the hang of it, man, it's a lot of fun. So if if it's not on your radar, indivisible. Uh, it's on PlayStation. If it's still on Game Pass, definitely give it a look. And I think it's probably on Switch as well. Uh, it's just kind of surprising to me that i don't really remember 
many people talking about this. I'm not even really sure when it came out, probably a couple of years back. And maybe people did talk about it quite a bit, and I just was kind of out of the loop. But No, was, I mean, we watched a trailer before this, and it's definitely a pretty-looking game. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Um, very good very good stuff. Yeah, so. if Round Guard wasn't going to be on my list, this would probably be a follow-up to that one. Mm-hmm. You should still check it out, dude. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, over the course of the next week, I'll probably be playing more indivisible and then also this weekend i'm hoping to finish up this next game yeah probably if i looked back at my list i don't have it up right now i'm pretty sure it was top five most anticipated games for the year yeah i never thought we'd be getting resident evil 8 so soon after resident evil 7 even though 7 came out i think three four years ago at this point um it just didn't seem like at the pace that they were putting out the remakes, I thought the next logical game that they'd be remaking would be either four or Code Veronica. Which one's the one? Do we play two? Was you it? and I played two remakes. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was like at the very beginning of the pandemic when it was like screen sharing and, you know, we were mic'd up and. Yeah. Yeah, it was. That was a good time. It was a good time. Um, so, yeah, Resident Evil 8, I was really much, very much anticipating this game, especially that. Uh, when we got word, I think it was during maybe the future of play last year for PlayStation. It was one of those conferences when we found out that they were going to continue in the first person perspective and it was going to continue the story of Ethan Winters, uh, the main protagonist of Resident Evil 7. Do you like the first person opposed to the third person? I do when I'm I'm far more invested in, in the story. Okay. And I, I just feel like you know, Capcom has been more intentional with the storytelling of seven and eight than they maybe have been in previous games where four, it's like the president's daughter has been captured by a bunch of crazy people go to this village and try and save her. You know, Um, it's kind of a very stereotypical like zombie zombie story. Whereas seven, it's like your wife's possessed. She's in Louisiana. She's in this abandoned house. Go figure out what's going on because she sent you this cryptic video about don't come get me, but maybe consider coming to get me type yeah of thing, you know yeah good relationship stuff love yeah. it yeah so i do want to preface this by saying i'm gonna have a specific timestamp uh below for non-spoiler discussion for resident evil 8 village but if you do want to go into this game completely blind and not know literally anything uh then fast forward to whatever the next segment that ryan and i have here for the show uh just to completely um alleviate any kind of concerns of of me slipping and saying something that i shouldn't say which i'm gonna do my best not to uh but again if you don't want to hear anything related to resident evil village you want to go into that game experience completely blind go ahead and fast forward it but i do want you to know that outside of setting the scene of where this takes place and the timeline post resident evil 7 I'm not going to really spoil anything related to the story. I'm going to be talking specifically to uh, the gameplay and how that, um, how different it is than than Resident Evil 7. Okay. So you've been forewarned, my good people. Uh, but yeah, so just to kind of set the scene, if you played Resident Evil 7, then this is absolutely going to be a spoiler. Um, so yeah, fast forward if you don't want to hear anything about 7 or 8. Uh, what I really appreciate about this game is that as soon as I booted it up, they asked me, have you played Resident Evil 7? And if so, and even if you haven't, do you want to watch a quick synopsis video of the events that went down in Resident Evil 7? And of course, I said yes, uh, because I remember what happened pretty vividly, uh, but it was, it was still nice to have a quick like three-minute refresher of all the events that went down. And so yeah. a refresher for fans here... 
you know, at a very high level, Mia, Ethan's wife, goes missing. She's been missing for quite a while. He gets this cryptic cryptic video of her seemingly kind of in this basement saying, um, you know, Ethan, don't come and, and look for me. Um, he ends up doing so anyways, and he finds out that there's this seemingly psychotic family in this house in Louisiana. They've kind of been subjected to this nasty, moldy fungus thing, so they are kind of possessed, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Mia has also been possessed. Over the course of the game, you take out each family member, and by the very end, you actually have to make a decision of whether or not you want to save your wife or save this other young girl. Mm -hmm. I chose to save my wife, and that's how, from a continuity perspective, Resident Evil 8 picks up. So regardless of whether you chose to save your wife or not at the end of Resident Evil 7, that's how things play out here. Okay. Right? There's not two different timelines or two different potential stories in Resident Evil 8 Village. It picks up as if you saved your wife, and then at the very end of Resident Evil 7, they kind of tie in the Resident Evil canon, and Chris Redfield shows up and says, Hi, my name's Chris Redfield. I'm here to kick ass and take names and save you. And so they take you off in a helicopter. Credits roll. Okay. So, Resident Evil 8 picks up three years after the events of that going on. So are you Chris Redfield? No, you're Ethan Winters again. Okay. So you're Ethan Winters. The The story kind of starts out, you, Mia, now you have a child. Her name is Rose. And again, at a high level, Chris Redfield, because of what happened, he shipped you and your family off to Europe. And from a media standpoint, they basically played it off as if Whatever went down there at the house in Louisiana, there was no one that survived. Okay. Everyone died because they didn't want, you know, people like Ethan and Mia to be in the news and headlines about it. So you find yourself then sitting in, in Europe. You're kind of starting to settle down, trying to make sense of the events that happened. Mia's kind of playing it off as if, she, you know, she doesn't want to talk about it. She doesn't want to address it. But she's also taken a ton of medication to kind of help cope with the PTSD surrounding it. Okay. Yeah, I think you'd come out of that one unscathed. Of course. Yeah. 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 So, from a story perspective, that is all I will say. Because I don't want to go, you know, saying anything more than that is going to spoil it for people. And I just, I want to be mindful of people that want to go into this game experience blind. Okay, for my knowledge, Resident Evil, is it purely zombies as the villain? That's it. Nothing else? Or is it generally other things besides like these zombie people generally speaking across the series yeah across the entire series i know very little not always okay but i think the first game it kind of just started out being just zombies okay and then it's kind of morphed into other things yeah i mean resident evil 4 i don't even remember it's one of my favorite games of all time and i still don't remember um because they're like the name zombie people around the town that you're the first place but yeah Mm -hmm. okay so it could be other things then yeah and so resident evil 8 if you've watched any any of the trailers you'll know it kind of takes more of a van helsing approach to the enemy design and the things that you're fighting there's lichens there's werewolves there's just weird things like that okay so that that's why i was asking if there's like werewolves vampires and that kind of stuff yeah so this is very much more of like a van helsing setting okay cool than prior resident evil games where you had like mutated people and zombies and, and stuff Professor like that. Professor X or whatever his name Yeah, is. Mr. X and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I think one of the biggest questions going into this one is, is it as scary as Resident Evil 7? And I think that was, I appreciate the developers taking some kind of constructive feedback because I personally think that Resident Evil 7 was one of the most 
terrifying experiences I've ever had, not just playing a video game, but ever. Yeah. Watching movies, watching television shows. Like, that game scared the hell out of me, but I still loved every moment of it, right? Because I was so invested in the story, and with each step that I took in that crazy-ass house, I still wanted to keep going because I wanted to figure out why my wife, Mia, was possessed and seemed like this demon- demonic crazy person. Yeah. You know? Um, Resident Evil 8 definitely dials back the horror quite a bit. And I know that's going to frustrate people. Um, I think there's just a lot of design choices they made with this to try and cater to a, a broader spectrum of the fan base as opposed to, you know, post Resident Evil 6, it was like, we are so far away from what made Resident Evil special to begin with, with those first few games, mm-hmm. and now it is just a stupid Call of Duty action zombie game, and we don't want anything to do with this. And so I applaud Capcom and the entire development team going back to the drawing board and saying, let's get back to our horror roots and make something so terrifying, so scary, a far more personal story with Ethan Winters going to this house in Louisiana, and that's exactly what they did. And they were tremendously successful. I think they brought a lot of the fan base back, but I think a lot of people complain too that this is just too scary for me. Let's dial it back. Let's try and find a happy balance between the horror elements of Resident Evil 4, the more action-heavy focused um, shooting of that game, but also dabbling in the horror of Resident Evil 7. And I think that's exactly what Resident Evil 8 is. Did they dial it back too much in your opinion? Did they find the happy medium? Yes and no. I think for me, my experience playing Resident Evil 8 feels a lot more like my experience playing Resident Evil 4. And that's one of your favorite games. It is, but it's it's one of my favorite games because it's something that I can play for four to five hour stretches of time and it doesn't really affect my psyche at all. Whereas Resident Evil 7, I had to play in like one hour chunks because it just royally fucked with my head. Okay. Do you like the uh, psyche fucking level of like seven versus eight or like would you rather have it like eight plus no i I think for me i like the ebb and flow that they're going for here okay because if we just had another resident evil seven here in eight where it was just super freaking scary 100 percent of the time gas was to the floor for eight straight hours i don't think i want that i think it's great that capcom has has learned from their prior games and i think eight is kind of a, a great blend of the ridiculous tension of two when you have Mr. X following you around the police station. But I think it also has these slower dialed back moments where you're exploring this village, you're exploring this castle and you're getting lost and you don't feel like around every nook and cranny, Mr. X is going to pop out of nowhere and it's like, oh shit, well, I guess I can't take my time and explore this castle and try and find the hidden collectibles and read all of these notes littered across the village and try and make sense of what's going on here because even Ethan himself doesn't really know what's going on without getting into the details of the story. And so I think it's a great blend of Resident Evil 2's tension, Resident Evil 4's action, more, you know, shoot 'em up elements but then the more story-focused narrative of something like Resident Evil 7. Okay. I think it really is a great amalgamation of Resident Evil 2, 4, and 7. I, I, I It remains to be seen whether the hardcore fans are going to feel the same way, uh, but that's where I'm at. I'm five hours in. It's about an eight to ten hour experience depending on you know how much you're exploring and getting lost in the, the various environments. Uh, but I feel like it consistently ma- mixes things up 
Never once do I actually feel safe because I might meet a certain character and that character gets killed. I might, you know, be exploring one moment, but then a certain person pops out of nowhere and starts following me around. Yeah. But I just, I never feel like, I never know what to expect with this game, you know? Or Resident Evil 4, I kind of always, you know, after the first hour, I'm like, okay, this is the gameplay loop. It's going to be about 10 to 12 hours of this. Okay. Resident Evil 7... After an hour in, I'm like, okay, they're just never going to take their foot off the gas. It's going to be pretty much seven to eight hours of this crazy nonsense. Okay. Eight is kind of constantly mixing things up, and it's got a little bit of everything there. Have you checked on the reviews on where that's falling? I haven't read a ton of reviews. Or just like the score-wise? I think it's got like mid-80s on Metacritic. Is that where you'd place it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, I know you always want me to see like where you at number-wise. Well, I mean like... It's more for a gauge. I know it's all relative. Like some people think like a base average game like a C is a 50. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, all right, if you don't like numbers, A, B, C, or D, or F, what would you give it so far? I'm really enjoying my time with it. Seven, let's put things in perspective. Resident Evil 7 was one of my top 10 games of the decade. Okay. When we when we did that episode, if you missed it, you know, just go back. It's literally titled Our Top 10 Games of the last decade resident evil 8 hasn't done anything yet to potentially um knock it off the list as like one of my favorite resident evil games or if it came out the last decade i don't think it would supersede my love of resident evil 7 okay but i think it's gonna be a potential top three contender with resident evil 4 7 and and now 8 and I know that's I know that's high praise. People are going to be saying like, "Oh, Rusty, he's, he's always talking a big game with the games that he likes." But um, keep in mind that I'm I haven't been playing Resident Evil, the Resident Evil series, for 20 years like people have. Like my first experience with Resident Evil was four on the Wii, you know, 10, 12 years ago, um, and then I played five, and then I've since gone back and played two remake, Revelations, seven, and now eight. So I don't have a complete history with the series like a lot of people do. Like a lot of people would say, blasphemy, Rusty. You never played Resident Evil 2 on PS1 or you never played the first game on PlayStation 1. Like I just don't have those nostalgic ties to those early games. So for me to say Resident Evil 4, 7, and 8 are my favorite in the series, for some, that's crazy talk. But for me, I'm more of a later fan than an Mm -hmm. earlier fan. I mean, my favorite, so I played 2 or I assisted you to play two mm-hmm. and then the one we played together with the like lightsaber batons was five 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 is my favorite mm-hmm. by far and then probably f- two yeah. yeah yeah i think what i'll you know just to kind of wrap it up here and you know i'll have my final impressions next week because i'll probably either beat it today or tomorrow or earlier in the week is that I think Resident Evil 8 does something for just about everyone in the fan base. Okay. If you were really frustrated with the direction of the series, you know, post uh, 4, then I think you're certainly going to feel more at home here because there's a lot of 4, there's a lot of Resident Evil 2 in here. Um, But if if you didn't like how crazy Resident Evil 7 was because it, it leaned too into the horror elements and it got too far away from the shooting mechanics of something like 4 and 5, I think there's a lot to love here for for those fans as well. Cool. But I know this game isn't going to satisfy every Resident Evil fan, but for me, it's it's doing everything I wanted and a little bit more. Good. Glad so, to hear it. Yep.
Alright, Ryan. Well, I think that's enough of the games that we have been playing recently. Yes. What do you say we get to some listener questions? I'm ready. So if you want to ask us a question, you can definitely do that. You can write it into the show at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com if you want to write us a more lengthy question or if you want to send us an audio question, just an audio clip of yourself rambling nonsensically for a couple minutes. Uh, hopefully there's a question baked into that yeah. that ramble. Uh, we'll play it here in the show. We love the audio questions, as we always say here on the Otaku Brothers podcast, anything that makes the show better. Yes, right, Ryan? say that. And, and uh, teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, I think so. That, that yeah. is one of the Otaku Brothers mottos. It is. Yeah. We have many. And <laughs> <laughs> May the force be with you. Also, one that might have been copyrighted already. When you do something for three years, you yeah. just kind of get all kinds of catchphrases going on. Uh, yes, but you could also write into the show by joining the Discord. The link is in the show notes below. We have a little channel in there called the Question Block. So pop in there, throw a question whenever. And Ryan and I will eventually get to it, similar to uh, how we're going to get back to some questions that were posted as as late as, what is that, August 24th, 2020. Yes. So we're, we're going back to, uh, oh, I guess, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away here because, yeah, these are some old questions. But we'll get to them. We'll get to them eventually, we promise. And then we're actually going to end the show with an audio question from uh, a friend of our show. He's a community member. He posts regularly in the Discord. Frantic, also known as Josh. I think he recorded seven minutes of his voice. And we're going to play every damn second here on the podcast. So stay tuned for that to cap off the show. But Ryan, what do you say we get to this first question here? I'm ready. All right. So Nornzy, he asks, what have your shower thoughts been about lately? Do you have any reoccurring topics? Wow, I'm showering. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't happen for weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, yikes. No. Uh. What have they been? It's mainly I'm curious because, like, I don't know if uh, Scoob just sits outside your shower or how. If you, do you have a shower curtain or is it just glass? He typically comes into the shower with me. Okay. Yeah. So I I've been leaving my uh door open to my bedroom and then my bathroom connects to that um i mainly it's been is nala out there because sometimes she like zoomed around my bathroom ran into cabinets ran under my bed jumped on my bed and i'm just sitting there with like my shower scrub and i'm just like god i hope there's no damage to my walls (laughs) um i haven't really had any like philosophical like debates with myself recently in the shower um yeah but yeah it's mainly potential damage to my apartment okay what about you uh yeah i'm probably the same way i think a lot of it might be it's probably the thought is always anticipation of what i'm going to be doing after i get out of the shower right yeah so whether it's going to be going up to the game room and playing a particular game or like a lot of it this week was just kind of theorizing and thinking about placement of items in my mind, like where I'd hang certain things in the game room, um, posters, just the amiibo stuff, like just kind of stuff around the game room, like placement of items. Okay. That's been one thing. Um, I also, and I'm curious if I'm the only person that does this, I'm sure I'm not, but as long as I can remember, whenever I listen to music, and this is going to sound really pathetic, or uh, I think that's actually the only the only uh, okay. option here. It's, it's just probably pretty pathetic. But um, 
you know, I've never really challenged myself or dedicated myself to an instrument in terms yeah. of learning how to play music. But even going back to when I was a little kid, I'd always picture myself on stage kind of being the front man for the band of whatever song I was listening to. Okay. And so when I'm in the shower, even as a 28-year-old man, I still picture myself like the, being the front man, lead vocals, lead guitar or piano or whatever song that I'm listening to, like playing that song in front of like 100,000 people. What, when you're naked in the shower? Like you're a naked singer or whatever? No. Or are you like clothed on I'm stage? wearing the signature Ari Lewis 2011 dark jeans and V-neck black shirt. So but. are you, do you actually sing a song or like air guitar as you're scrubbing? Sometimes I air guitar. Okay. Like if there's a particular like Foo Fighters jam, like before I get in the shower, I'm I'm fucking air guitaring like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. But when I'm in the shower, no, I'm not typically air guitaring. I don't want to pull a muscle. You know. That <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a testament to the activity levels during COVID. Is oh, dude, you air guitared. Oh, hope you didn't break an arm. <laughs> Pulled a hamstring. You know? Yeah. Geez. Plus, you got no support. Like, I, there's a whole lot that could potentially go wrong. I don't want to pull a groin yeah, shit's muscle. Slippery. You can't jump around stage like a Jack Black. Yeah, exactly. So, so, are you used? Do you sing in the shower all the time? Okay. Oh yeah, I and, can see that. Yeah, and when I'm driving too, like I'm just blaring the music. I'm blaring the tunes. Yeah. I'm screaming the songs. Yeah. So, are you a soap person? Not to get your showering like rituals. We can but, get into it. All right. Are you like a, a Dove soap with like a ta- like a little wash rag, mm-hmm. or are you one of those like shower scrunchies with some like body i used to you know loofah i used to have a pretty good loofah game you know what i'm saying is that what it's called a loofah yeah that's what those things are called. oh they are they yeah they're called loofahs um it's french for rag is it no no okay cool (laughs) (laughs) croissant also means rag yeah (laughs) exactly rag Um, of the bread world so shampoo wise i typically use tea tree because i have like a sensitive scalp okay and so that kind of just uh helps moisturize my my head i guess mm. what, what are the terms for that my yeah moisturize yeah that's right yeah um so i typically Rejuvenate. use tea tree shampoo and then uh body wash it's kind of like whatever i grab off the shelf when i go to the grocery store like i'm not super particular okay. i know the sasquatch soap guy says i'm like poisoning my body by putting like yeah and you also have like 15 pounds of toxic like poop in your body <laughs> to the youtube ads man yeah Those they're ridiculous ridiculous so, and it's all one like scraggly bearded dude who looks like he has zero credentials to talk about anything regarding a body yeah exactly yeah. um so yeah I, don't, I probably don't use a loofah anymore i just whatever body wash i'm using i just scrub my body cool yeah <laughs> i used to be a soap and rag guy and then i went to the loofah side of the aisle mm-hmm. so yeah I'm, I'm enjoying that uh i use like uh similar to you like rough scalp Mm -hmm. but i've also like head and shoulders or whatever Mm -hmm. but i've also heard that it could also be head and shoulders is making your scalp more sensitive i don't know about sensitive or it's making it more dry so you need it to counteract the effects of it so it's just a fucking circle so i I haven't tested it yeah well i think also you shouldn't be washing your 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 scalp every day like when you shower you shouldn't always be shampooing you should really only be doing that like two to three times a week yeah my issue is like if i work out and i have a like even i don't know how clean you get with just water if you're like sweating mm-hmm. so yeah i don't, know I don't, I don't want to turn my white pillows an off tan so <laughs> i mean that's what bleach is for but yeah. you can only 
gets so sanitary. Uh, yeah. Next question. Next question. <laughs> uh, we got one from Josh, uh, also known as Frantic. This is from August 28th, 2020. He said, is Kingdom Hearts anime, Ryan? Yes or no? Uh, it's a JRPG, but I think if it were to be turned into a, a series or a show, it would probably be considered an anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I agree. Yeah. Next question. Cool. That would be actually pretty cool. And they could actually go in and explain the plot in a cohesive manner. I wouldn't count on it, but we can always hope. (laughs) Blink asks a question, or several here. He says, rapid fire. What is the next food you plan on eating, Ryan? Oh, fucking Lin's Walk Chinese food. Just so good. I'm I'm actually... Like midway through our questions, this is behind the scenes shit that no one ever sees. But mm-hmm. midway through our questions, I'm placing a call because it's a 20 minute lead time. So by the time we wrap up recording, I'll be ready to just power my way through and get some Chinese. So good stuff, man. Yep. Uh, for me, I think I'll probably, as I'm editing the episode, pour myself more coffee and maybe a little bowl of goldfish because, man, those it's a snack that smiles back. You can't beat it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I just had some. Mm-hmm. Uh, downstairs so very good beverage you plan on drinking next uh water uh, flavored yes very flavored what kind yes um there's two that i have there's one like it's like a pomegranate like almost cherry type okay and then i also have a pink lemonade flavor nice um yeah okay well for me i already said it probably i'll probably get some iced coffee this time i've been drinking hot coffee most Do you of drink the day. water because i've only seen you drink coffee today no, I'm kind of opposed. It's part of my okay. religion, actually. Yeah. 80% of my body is now coffee and not water. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you cell membranes in your... I was going to say pluroplasts, but that's not right. It's You can make up a word like you were playing Monster Hunter and people would never know <laughs> yes. the difference. Yeah, I got the uh, Zenoger, uh platelets. Mm-hmm. Just, just throw a random jargon. <laughs> no one's going to question you, yeah. man. Right. Uh, what's the game you plan on playing next, Ryan? I don't know. Actually, the uh, the round guard sounded cool, uh, but probably RuneScape. I have, unfortunately, like nine quests I have to do today. Oh, geez. What a tough life. Dude, life is hard in the first world. <laughs> <laughs> and I will the games. definitely be playing uh, Resident Evil 8 probably for the rest of the night until I hopefully see the credits roll. So uh, fun rapid fire questions playing. Thank you for those. Yeah. Nintai says, what are your expectations for a Fable reboot? Um, Currently zero. (laughs) Um, Because I don't know what's going to happen in the next four years before it comes out. Yeah. Um, The trailer where the fairy got eaten by a frog was cool. But uh, we'll see. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're still waiting for Halo. I I have zero expectations until I actually see gameplay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I have high expectations because I love the Fable series. Um, I guess I could probably go back and play the first one, the anniversary edition on PC, because I don't think I ever really made my way through the first Fable, but I have a lot of um, fond memories playing 2 and 3, 2 in particular, because I that game got me through some really rough patches in high school, so with this new developer behind the game, the, the developer behind the Forza games, it's like Playground Games, or whatever their name is, I'm sure the listeners will correct us uh, in the Chronos Correction Corner segment, that doesn't exist, but it might as well. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's going to, you know, turn out to be great mm-hmm. if they have that team working behind it. It's certainly going to be beautiful. I just hope that, um, I, I just hope it's a nice successor to Fable 2 and 3. I know a lot of fans weren't over the moon about 3. I think 2 followed in 1's footsteps well. 
Uh, but again, I love two and three. And if the Fable reboot is anything like those two games and it looks a lot prettier, well, sign me up. That's all it needs to do. Nice. Yeah, I, I think it, I'm excited to try the series for the first time after yeah. hearing your love of it. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nintai asks another question. Oh, no, it's Frantic. He says, if you were an animal, what would you be and why? Hmm. I don't know. I think I'd like to be a tiger. Mm. Or, pro- no, probably an eagle. Yeah. What, I think, is it a harper eagle? Those, like, giant raptor-looking human birds. Mm-hmm. They're, like, one of the largest eagles. Probably one of those. They're terrifying. Okay. Um, just different perspective. Uh, being able to fly would be awesome. Oh, and, like, dive bombing prey from two miles out. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Eating rats and shit. Yeah, yeah. man. What about you? <laughs> I think I uh, I'd probably be a sea otter. Oh, okay, nice. Dude, Why? They're so Just cute. Fondle stones and like connect before you float down the stream. Well, first of all, they have the thickest fur of any animal in the world. Did you know that? Really, like density? Yeah. Hmm. The thickest fur of any animal That's in the surprising. world. Surprising. You'd think more of like the Antarctic ones. Mm-hmm. Like a. Oh, you said an otter or a harper seal? Like a, a seal. No, an otter. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're so damn cute, dude. They, rest they are in, adorable. They rest in packs. Yeah. I they, like, like, hold hands and, like, drift. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, me and my buddies, we'd just be known as the Otter Squad. <laughs> that, yeah. That, that would be a cute animal. Yeah. You just have to watch out for me as an eagle before <laughs> I eat your squad. <laughs> oh, yikes. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. we'll, be, we'll keep an eye out. Trust That's a me. cute pick. Yeah. So me and the otters, we'll, we'll be chilling in the, in the nearest river near you. Yeah. Um, and then Nintai says, why do you think Frantic wants to know what type of animal you'd be? What type of animal do you think Nintai would be? I don't know. Probably a tortoise. Dude, I was going to say sea turtle. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, was to- I don't have any reason why I think that. It just... It seems right. It's the first animal that came to my mind. I literally was thinking like... Um, because he ages like fine wine. Yes. Sure. Because and what's he's 200 the, years old. What's the sea, uh, the sea turtle in, in Finding Nemo? The high dude? Yeah. What was his name? Crunch or something? Eric. <laughs> <laughs> or Sire or whatever. I forget. <laughs> um, you know, a friend of the show... Uh, we talk about him quite a bit in the podcast here. Blink, Blinkoom. He records the IndieQuest podcast, Polykill. He's just killing it on the internet these days. But um, he just reminds me of a panda. Like, I could see that. Never once do I think about Blink and, like, I just want to give that guy a damn hug. I could see that. Yeah. Not because he Our needs pandas it. pandas the ones that eat enough eu- eucalyptus and eucalyptus gets them high? So they, like, live perpetually high? Could be. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Not Blink that, reminds me of a high panda. <laughs> not that Blink needs a hug, man. I just kind of want a hug from Blink. No, yeah. That's more of his personality, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, let us, let us know in the Discord. Drop a comment. What what animal would you be and why? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'm, an, I'm a sea otter, and Ryan's going to pounce on me because yeah, he's I'm a an eagle. Yeah, Harper Eagle or whatever. Um, all right, so I'm just going down the questions here. I have a question. Do you associate taste with color? I don't think so. So when you think of the color red, what do you taste? Hot tamales. Really? Because you, you listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers, or no, like the the candy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, mean, I I generally just think of 
like cherry flavoring, but like I'm thinking about it like green. What do you think of when you think of green taste wise? I, that's a weird one because I go to vegetables. Yeah, I was like gonna say spinach. I'm thinking or like something. spinach or but like like if you say yellow, I think corn. I, I think banana. Okay, that's fair. Um, orange, I think citrus. Yeah, for sure. Um, black, I think black licorice. Oh, gross! Come on now. But what about white? I think of teeth, <laughs> but that's not a flavor. It's just that's something that's the color. What about chiclets, man? Chiclets. Or I guess um, just like little square pieces of gum. Oh, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really associate anything with that color taste-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, what other colors? Blue. Aquafina water. <laughs> That's oddly specific. No other flavors. Not tap water, but <laughs> Aquafina specifically. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Let us know what color I, I you associate like, with foods. Like Starburst and shit really mm-hmm. uh, define what we see. Or crayons. Crayons really uh, screw us up. Right, next question. All right, so Josh <laughs> asked another one. He says, my retort question is why not? Or maybe I would like to keep Ryan or Rusty as a pet, maybe? I'm a murderous eagle. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> He's an otter, though. Uh, well, because I think Nintai said something like, why do you think Frantic wants to know what type of animal yeah. you'd be? And then he says, my retort question is why not? Or maybe I would like to keep Ryan or Rusty as a pet. Have you considered that? Interesting. Uh, I think these next several questions... um, I think we answered most of them after that. We've answered a lot of these, yeah. So I think this last one here, and if certainly if you remember a specific question back on the the backlog of the question block that we didn't answer, feel free to add us, ask us another question. Again, we always love answering the listener questions here as part of the, the podcast episodes. Just let us know. So Sean asks, or he says, Morning, lads. It's 2.41 in the afternoon, Sean, so we're actually not going to read your question. You have to address us correctly. <laughs> yeah, we have to specifically record in the morning <laughs> to answer this. Um, he says, morning, lads. Have a long one for you. Feel free to disregard if you don't want to spend 10 minutes on it. Hey, we'll read anything on the Otaku Brothers podcast. Just about anything, Sean. So. Yeah, it was nice to meet you today as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and thanks for the beer. Thanks for dropping off the Pilsners. Uh, he said, a few episodes back, you discussed the lack of quirky, lower-budget games in the current era that are kind of jank, but still fun. You mentioned the higher-stakes nature of development and more and a more risk-averse business climate as drivers. But do you feel the following three possibilities may be substantial factors? One, the lack of technical constraints in a current console. In current consoles, make it easier for developers to build their original idea which makes it unnecessary to find creative workarounds to hardware limitations, as would have been the case in the 90s. Two, the possibility that those titles exist, but are much harder to find given the physical, given that physical retail stores focus on big-name games that, gar- uh, that guarantee sales while digital distribution gets flooded with garbage that makes finding good low-budget titles as a needle-in-the-haystack proposition. And three, that we 90s kids are all just nostalgic old people shaking our collective fists and yelling at clouds about the good old days. Oh, I think three is definitely a large portion of that. Um, Number two is a very good point as well. Not just in retail stores, but I mean, similar to like Google and stuff, the algorithm definitely pushes down smaller budget or less 
like monetarily incentivized products Mm -hmm. um even within the indie section i would assume like within steam you still have a hierarchy of i mean celeste would be i think considered originally an indie game Mm -hmm. but it would also be towards the front of the queue yeah because it sold Um, so well so those the highest level of jank i mean like poi i don't know you're looking for platinum games which is probably how you find these games but you probably have to go pretty far down the list to find some of those like high jank games. And most of the people, the average consumer isn't going to Google and typing in hidden gem 3D platformers on the PlayStation 4. Yeah. Right. They're they're completely basing their next purchase on what's front and center on the the PlayStation store. Yeah. They're seeing Little Big Planet. They're seeing Ratchet and Clank. Maybe they're seeing, you know, whatever else, ukulele or something like that. But the chances of them finding stuff like Skylar and Plucks poi and all of these other random jank ass games that i play it's just never going to happen so i think to your point number two and even when you go into retail stores i can attest to this even going into best buy it was mainly like the entire rack of playstation games was assassin's creed fifa 2k madden like all of those triple a experiences that you'd expect to see on the shelf of a retail store nowadays but you know then there's those bargain bins that I feel like we're close to a reality where those bargain bins no longer exist anymore at your Walmarts and your Best Buys, but mm-hmm. I stumbled across something like Indivisible, and I pulled up the cover, and that's probably going to be one of the, I don't want to say, I don't want to be super dark, but that's probably one of the final few games that I'm going to find at a retail store and be like, oh, wow, I've I maybe I've heard of this, I'm not really sure, looks really interesting, I'm going to take this home because it's 15, 20 bucks, I don't have much to lose. I'm yeah. taking a gamble. I'm taking a risk. Uh, you just don't find that type of stuff anymore. But yeah, usually th- it's just movies, like for three bucks, opposed to games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, especially at Walmart, there's just like a bargain bin of Blu-rays that's like a sea that never ends. Yeah, I know there's like a discount little wall, but it's not the same like depth of content. It's generally discounted triple A's. Mm-hmm. And I think three's a big one. You know, the wee '90s kids are nostalgic old people shaking our fists and yelling at clouds about the good old days. We all want that sense of comfort as we continue to get older and are faced with the responsibilities of adulthood. We want to continue to cling on to and hold on to a piece of our childhood so the reality doesn't settle in too much of like, I can't be a kid anymore. So when something like Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee comes out, we can kind of reminisce and get a piece of our childhood back and it looks like a present day HD-ified type experience like the Pokemon Swords and Shields, but it it tugs on the nostalgic heartstrings a lot more. When Tony Hawk Pro Skater HD comes out, a lot of people reminisce of the the days of putting on a backwards hat and trying to skateboard, even though you fell on your face more than half the time. Yeah, and we're kind of at a weird age in technology where we went from like the pre-cell phones, pre-smartphones, pre-iPods, like internet was kind of barely a thing. Computers were pretty primitive. Um, so we've kind of been kind of at the forefront of living through the progression into, whereas the new generation has like all of technology at their hands. Yep. Um, like flip phones, fucking NV2 was my first phone. Oh dude, yeah. Only because I don't know how Lauren ever texted with like each key has three letters associated with it and it forms words automatically if you click enough letters. Like I was like... I want a keyboard because I've learned how to type through RuneScape mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or Mavis Beacon, I guess. And um, 
Yeah, yeah. I I think there's some association with that. I think number one, I'm not a hundred percent sure if the East technology really gates jankiness. Like even, I mean, you're you're comparing like uh, Cyberpunk had the access to technology and all these new engines and stuff, but it became a jank. I mean, really, that's the most jank game recently, and it's AAA. Or if you look at like a Kena, where it looks relatively polished, we haven't seen the full game at our fingertips, but I don't know. I, I think as far as jankiness of AAA to indie still have the ability to, based off of manpower, put out a good or bad game. Mm-hmm. It, technology doesn't really improve the the level of jank. Yeah, I definitely don't think there's like a one size fits all reason, but I do think a lot like the three points you made here, Sean, definitely contribute to that uh, of why we don't see a lot of, you know, quirky lower budget games, or at least not to the extent that we used to back on the PS1, PS2 era, just because, I mean, it's just a testament to the time, right? I mean, you go back and you pick up a Game Informer magazine or a PlayStation magazine or Xbox magazine or Nintendo Power for that matter, whatever it was, like, those magazines, it was like a fucking encyclopedia. I mean, they were like 400 pages thick. Every single month, there was like uh, at least like 30 reviews of games on the Game Boy Color, the Game Boy Advance, the GameCube, the PS2, the Xbox. Like, they were reviewing so many games at the time, and now, I'm not sure if anyone still subscribes to Game Informer, but you get that magazine, it's almost as thin as a sheet of paper. Most of the editorials that used to be in there are no longer there. Yeah, and they review maybe three to four games a month. Not three to four. That's probably an exaggeration. I mean, the, the last few pages, from what I remember, had like say five or six pages of basically rapid fire, maybe a quarter of a column, three columns per page reviews of mm-hmm. things. It's just a different time. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's all about money at the end of the day, and. <laughs> People aren't taking risks because they're not going to be able to to meet their bottom line. Uh, and you know nowadays with the monetization in games and in-game purchases and all, it's just royally kind of screwed things up quite a bit. Um, but I am very thankful that we still get unique experiences um, that remind me of the games of the earlier <coughs> generations of consoles, like Balan Wonderworld, like Tamarin, even something like Ukulele. I know I throw these terms out all the time, but it's still special that. There's people out there very much like us that are fo- have a fondness for the past and they're still trying to make games for current generation consoles to retain a bit of that that past history and, and what we um, what we enjoy about some of those earlier games. Yeah, but great question, Sean. Really appreciate it. If you have any thoughts about that, definitely continue to uh, chat about it there in the, um, the discord. We'd love to hear from you. But what do you say we get to this final question, Ryan? We are done with the discord questions and now we have an audio question. Yeah, I'm ready. Chinese has been ordered. Let's do this. All right. Well, this was sent to our Gmail, otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. You want to send us a, want to send us a more lengthy question or an audio question, go ahead. Send it our way. We'd love to hear from you. But this is from uh, someone who has already submitted a couple of questions on the Discord. Frantic, also known as Josh. He titles this Josh, in parentheses, Frantic, Lunch, Ramble. He says, hey guys, going to keep this email short because I was bored during my lunch and recorded you an audio question. Hopefully the long, rambly, hungry me from earlier today will give you a nice bouncing board for a fun topic of discussion. 
with love, Josh. And then he totally forgot to attach the file to the original email. So <laughs> he sent it in a separate thing. So nice. uh, let's take a listen. What's up, Ryan and Rusty? This is your friend, Josh, also known as Frantic. And uh, I'm on lunch at work. I'm sitting here about to eat a delicious deli salad because, you know, I'm trying to lose the little bit of little chubby chubs. Um, I figured I'd send you guys an audio uh, thingamabob, a question, comment, whatever you want to call it. Um, hopefully the voice quality is pretty good. I'm on my phone here. But man, alright, let's get into it. Um, today I've been thinking about something called time travel. So, I, I like thinking about this. I think about it a lot, probably too much. I obsess about it because time travel is really interesting to think about. I read an article on Twitter that there was a mathematician that actually proved that time travel is a possibility and there's multiple people who who, do, who did this but this is a recent like study on how feasible it possibly could be so it got me thinking like what is is time travel does time travel act, would, act, would it actually work okay uh, this is hard to explain so basically imagine you're going back 10 years right you got a time machine say you got a phone just like an iPod or iPhone, whatever, that's, you press the year and you go to it. Say you go back 10 years and uh, you're technically in the past, but are you traveling through time for real? Because if you go to the past, you pop into the past, right? You are basically creating another timeline, another alternate universe, pretty much, right? Because unless, unless this, the universe that you traveled from already had you in the past but you never were aware of it you catch what i'm saying here you catch what i'm my cat you catch my drifty drift you catch my snicker bar snicker bar reese's pieces drift <laughs> i don't know what i'm saying um so my question for you guys after my long-winded ramble here because time travel is pretty fucking cool i love it the concept it's really interesting like I would go ahead and talk, talk about, like, if I would use a time machine, I don't think I would because I think that the vast and random way the universe works is is the way it is for a reason. I, I don't know what I believe in, like, religiously. I'm not getting into all that. We're not we're not getting going down that territory right now. But I am saying I believe that the way that how... Okay, how everything works out randomly to the way right now I'm speaking into this phone that I bought from a phone company and using a data cell service that was created by the phone company to meet people online that I've never seen in person and have talked to a couple of times i talked to rusty more obviously because we have a podcast together check out box office bliss so you know how everything is like just randomly collides to where these moments and these people end up in these situations i don't think i would want to go and screw it up i think that's too much power for me to have so if i had a time machine i i would be too scared to go into the past and then alter something in a way where i'm dead or hey maybe i killed a cousin you know, or, or maybe I killed Rusty somehow. I don't know. You know, the, the past 
I wouldn't want to kill Rusty. Rusty's, Rusty's awesome, obviously, or else I wouldn't be sending this in. Anyway, I I think that time travel is is too dangerous to have because it's gonna it's gonna fuck something up. You're gonna screw something up. You think you might be doing something good? Go back and kill Hitler, and then you come back in modern day. It's Jurassic World. You know, there's there's dinosaurs everywhere for some reason. Who knows what you would cause to happen if you had time travel especially going into the past so possibly i would use it to peek into the future maybe like see where i where i'm at in 10 years and kind of get that little bit of knowledge but the thing is is that that if i knew the future like maybe i'm a millionaire in 10 years doubtful but hey let's just say i'm a millionaire in 10 years then i see myself on a private jet private charter jet going across the country to go to the caribbean to have a vacation that's what i see when i go into the 10 years from now that's going to be in my mind and maybe the doubt that I'm ever going to actually get there or how I actually get there, the random states and things and the events that perspire for me to be that guy in the future never happens. Or I'm on the street. I'm a homeless man. Maybe I see that thing. I get a little more inspired. Hopefully I'm not homeless. I, I would not, I would not want to be homeless, but Hey, what if, what if that happens? You never know. But Maybe I would be inspired to, you know, do something more with my life, to uh, to flourish. <laughs> anyway, time travel is weird because, like, it's a risk, obviously. So my question is, if you guys had a time machine with two time travel events that you could do, you could either go in the past twice, in the future twice, or the past, then the future or you just destroy the time machine. Nobody can use it because it's too powerful. Or, you know, just talk about it. What would you do if you had a time machine that had only two uses? What would you do with it? Who would you go visit? What would you see? Would you be too scared to use it like me? And I think I say that I'm too scared to use it, but I probably would go back in the past and then probably cause uh, Neko wafers to be the only candy on shelves, and that's pretty uh, a pretty horrifying future, if you ask me. Even though I don't mind a Neko wafer from time to time. Anyway, thanks for taking my call or my message, and uh, I love you guys, and I uh, love the show. I'm looking forward to the new segment too. Hopefully, uh, get to hear some cool music. I'm I'm pretty excited about that. I, I love doing that on IndieQuest. Hey, look, I pause, I po- <laughs> plug both of my shows right here. Anyway, guys. Thanks for the awesome entertainment. It really does keep me distracted at work. And uh, looking forward to hearing the episode and your answer. Bye. Thank you, Josh, for the question. I, too, love thinking about time travel and just the implications of it all, the the possibility of it all, you know, with where technology has come and, and where technology is going for sure. Uh, and just, of course, all of the the movies and video games that that mess around and incorporate the ideas of time travel. It's it's certainly an interesting concept, and I feel like Ryan and I need a bottle of bourbon and some stogies to uh, actually unpack unpack all of this and have a you know kind of a phys- philosophical conversation around it. Because I feel like we could honestly build an entire episode around the concept of time travel yeah. and break it down to be a, a whole num- number of subtopics. But getting to Josh's question, right? You have basically have two time travel tokens. You can either go to the past twice, the, the future twice, or, you know, one of each. So where are you at with this, Ryan? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I think that would be a fun episode of bourbon, stogies, and podcasts. We, 
We'll have to fu- come up with a catchy name for that. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. talking about philosophical shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm as afraid of like the ramifications of like the butterfly effect if I were to change something. Um, and I don't know if you would have like there would be similar like to the infinity stones you you take a stone from one thing it diverges into a completely separate reality as the other reality where you didn't make that uh takes off in a different direction mm-hmm. um i'm not sure it, it's i haven't read a ton into like the physics of it all but as far as where i'd want to go if i had two uses and I'm assuming the the question was meant to be not like you have one use to get there and one use to get back, similar to like end game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, 1920s mm. would always be a time period that I would love to uh, to see. Um, the Roaring Twenties pre market crash and Great Depression, because the Great Depression doesn't sound any fun. You got the Dust Bowl, but. That Greece would be a great time to mm. see Greece, 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 Greece in its prime. Um, to watch gladiator fights, to see how crazy the Colosseum really was. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be another time period I'd really like. Um, I, I think there's some debate on whether Shakespeare was actually a person named Shakespeare or if he was like a combination of a bunch of different writers. Mm. Um, so to see. A Shakespeare play in its prime or like the first release of that would be really cool Um, as far as the future I'm not sure I don't know if I'd really want to see the future well sticking with the past you know you don't have like an endless you know pocket of pizza planet tokens you only got two so um so it'd probably be 20s in Greece okay for me Okay. Um, prehistoric stuff is too dangerous I'd be dead yeah for sure and death does not sound fun uh, by dinosaur. No, um, no. So, yeah, probably those two periods. Mm-hmm. Relatively safe. Yeah. So. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, I think I could take it so many different ways. And I think this is why, you know, in the future, maybe we'll consider it for a podcast episode idea. But um, just to kind of walk through all the different eras we'd like to visit and why. Yeah, similar like the 20s or even just like the idea of going back and seeing a favorite band of mine in their their humble beginnings, like when they were playing like super small clubs or if they if they if they got together or formed when they were in college, just playing at um, a local diner or something like that or not a diner, but a club or a gymnasium, things like that. Seeing Queen in their prime would be amazing. Yeah, Live Aid, like seeing them there, like that's one of the probably top three live performances of all time in my opinion as it relates to bands um so i think something like that would be cool i'm gonna take kind of a cheesy route just because i think it would be really interesting one to see the era and how it differed from my childhood my parents grew up in relatively similar similar locations and so i would i think it'd be really neat to go back and you know my mom's 58 my dad's will be 62 this year so do the math however many years ago um let's just say 50, 55 years and just be kind of a a distance away where I don't seem like a creepy pedophile or whatever, but just seeing my parents grow up, like just seeing them on the playground, doing their thing, playing with toys, running around the neighborhood where it was a lot 
easier back in the 70s and 80s to run around without like, hey, don't go more than 50 feet away from my house. You know, there was just so much concern for security of kids nowadays, where back then, I mean, kids would run around for days before their parents would know where the hell they were. Similar to the premise of the darkness. That was so, what was so uh, fascinating about that one. Well, dark. It's just called dark. Is it the dark? Yeah. Darkness, I think, is a game. Uh, Dark, yeah. That's what I found fascinating is to like, when they go back in time, I mean, it's not really spoilers. The entire series is about time travel. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Josh, if you like time travel and it sounds like you did or do, think about it a lot. Definitely watch that series. Mm-hmm. It's fucking insane. Yeah, it and is. it's all about time travel and implications, and do we really have free will within the time loops that are created? It's really a great show. It is, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, would you want to be enrolled in like the high school that they were? Maybe high school would be particularly interesting. Uh, my parents met, I think, certainly after my. They both graduated college, but that'd be another instance of like just seeing them fall in love, right? Yeah. Their first time they met, which was probably um, through friends, mutual friends, you know, chilling at bars or whatever. And they kind of like just stumbled. There was no social media, right? There was none of that back then. So it was really just meeting each other through friends, being out and about and just like, hey, you know, I'm Mel, I'm Rusty, whatever. Like, it'd be cool to, to just see all of that play out. You know, my parents got divorced when I was five, but that's beside the point. I wouldn't I wouldn't try and alter that reality because mm-hmm. they are both well off and doing their thing now. And it's great. And I love them both. But um, just seeing those those that those kind of initial in, uh, interactions, but also just seeing my parents grow up as kids, I think would be such a unique thing to, to witness. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's, that's an interesting take. That's token number one. And I think token number two, just out of pure curiosity, is just 200 years in the future, like Really? Have we burned our planet to the ground? Like, what does technology look like? Have we basically retroactively gone back to square one because of us screwing up our planet? Like, who knows? I mean, there's really no way of telling. Like, yeah. certainly, we're. I'm not going to get on a soapbox talk about global warming's real and all these different things, but, like, our planet is hurting. <laughs> like, clearly. Well, my biggest fear would be, like, I think there was a, it was a chronal mass ejection which is basically a giant electromagnetic burst from the sun. And it was like the 1850s around there, or might have been slightly after, when we had telegraphs and we could still communicate. But basically, you could power stuff, like you could take out or like unplug like a light bulb and it would still be on because of how much energy the sun had shot to us. Hmm. But if we were to be hit by that now... It would just fry everything. Like it, we would, we wouldn't be reset, but it would put us back a ton. Just imagine all technology. I mean, you have all of our like infrastructure system is just fried by an ejection from the sun. That's what I see happening. Like something crazy like that. Wow. That would bring us back to just chaos. Yeah. That would be interesting to see from afar just but i would we, not want to live it yeah no for sure just how humanity reacts and responds to that yeah yeah so huh yeah i mean i, I love the question josh i appreciate you bringing it up um <laughs> you probably just like potentially put a bug in ryan and i's ear of like how can we bake in a, a time travel episode you know yeah. what that would look like That'd i, I feel like we, we you and i would literally just kind of spitball we probably wouldn't have a strict agenda it'd probably just be talking about what yeah. that what that would look like what we would do and 
all of that fun stuff. Yeah, we could definitely divide it between past and future. Um, what would be the best strategy in survival? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I we would definitely lose to dinosaurs, or uh, yeah, but it, yeah, that would be a good time. Yeah. Speaking sure. of future episodes. Yes. So I think we're we're pretty much uh, at the tail end here. We're, we're approaching two hours just like we were last week. So um, I love the supertheticals. I'm glad that, you know, when Ryan and I don't know how long we're going to talk about the games we've been playing or listener questions or what el- whatever else we get into, we always have something that we can fall back on and that being supertheticals. But we already have a two hour pack show here. So we're probably going to cap it here. But um, as Ryan and I teased a couple weeks ago that you know we had a lot of ideas in the pipeline moving forward and a lot of those we are not going to reveal today because um we still want to kind of surprise them and spring them upon all the good listeners out there when we want to come forward with them but one idea that we've already done once mm-hmm. but we're going to do again uh i certainly had a ton of fun kind of being a spectator just responding to what Ryan brought to the table. But about 20 or so episodes ago, we did an episode centered around conspiracy theories. They were crazy things about lizard people, there being a satanic horse that is like the spawn of Satan at the Denver airport, like really wild things. And next week, we are going to do part two of conspiracy theories. And Ryan, I'll toss it over to you. What what are we doing next week? There's two possibilities that I'm jumping between. There's... um, one option is between a similar segment type where I have one um, kind of main conspiracy and you go in depth into that. And then the second option are conspiracies that sound like they have the possibility of being true and just talking towards, does that sound plausible or does it not? Um, yeah, so it, it should be a really good time. We'll I'll decide and keep the other topic for another time yeah and we'll keep it a mystery too for the listeners and, and the good thing too is that with conspiracies there's no shortage of them yeah right and so everywhere. it's definitely something that can be a reoccurring theme on the on the podcast because i know a lot of people are here for the video game talk and stuff like that but otaku brothers was meant to be a pretty open-ended show where ryan and i can talk about whatever we want we know conspiracy theories aren't as entertaining to others as they are for ryan and i but I know there's a definitely a group of people out there that listen to this show that find that entertaining. So we yep. hope you'll still tune in and I'm certainly looking forward to it. I love coming to this podcast, not knowing what's in store because typically, you know, Ryan and I have some kind of an agenda sheet of items that we're going to talk through, but being surprised with the conspiracy theories was certainly a highlight in this show's history. And I'm looking forward to uh, doing it next week. Yeah. So we wanted to give you guys a uh, week's heads up to uh, build your tinfoil hats or mm-hmm. go to Walmart, get some more tinfoil. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, yeah, Kroger brand tinfoil is best for uh, keeping out the government from spying on you. That's what I've heard. Yeah. 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 It's also on sale. That was another one of those YouTube ads about, uh, I think it was the one that came after Sasquatch. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening. We really appreciate the support we've gotten recently, as always. And if you want to so show your support for the show, head over to the old Apple iTunes, leave us a review, rate us five stars. It'll help more people uh, find the show. And we love uh, more people to tune in, right? Because we love uh, making people laugh, telling fun stories and just uh, talking about the good old video games. So uh, do us a favor. Go to the old Apple iTunes, leave us a review. We greatly appreciate it. If you're listening to the show and you're not in the Discord, please hop in there. We're having some great discussions all the time. Um, And it's just a a fun, welcoming community of people. So hop in the Discord if you're not there. We'd also appreciate that. But with that, Ryan, as we always do here on the old Otaku Brothers podcast, I toss it over to you and see if you have any parting words for our listeners. 
Yeah. Uh, have a good week. Um, the interesting fact of this week. Oh boy, here we go. Is um, when helium goes towards absolute zero, it actually forms absolute zero being basically when all molecules stop moving. Um, they have z- zero energy left, but. Uh, when helium gets closer to absolute zero, it becomes a superfluid that doesn't act like any other state of matter, and it's basically frictionless. So the molecules can basically spin forever. Um, it also can like climb up walls and go through solids. It, it it's, has some really unique states. Okay. Um, so definitely, there's videos out there of this superfluid um, in action. And it's worth checking out. Can we find those on YouTube? Yes, yes you can. All right, so should, free. I, should I just go to YouTube and type in superfluid? Yes. In action? Yeah, helium superfluid, and then you can you find some of those. All right, you heard yeah. it here first, folks, uh, hopefully at least. Uh, Ryan's bringing the fun facts every single week at the tail end of the show, and uh, I learned something today. Yeah, there's also so. computers that, uh, I think it was called nanocomputers, that are trying, they cool down the the chips or whatever tor- closer to absolute zero so that it can flick between two different states to house more computing power. Um, and that's how I got on that giant rampage or giant tangent into superfluids and shit. But yeah, absolute zero computers are also a really cool other topic to look into. All right. Well, very cool. Well, thank you everyone once again for listening to the podcast. We very much appreciate it. And we will be back next week for some crazy conspiracy theories. We hope you look forward to that. See ya.